It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Hello, welcome to Time Enough Podcast. It's where we look into all of the episodes of The Twilight Zone and get older as we watch them from week to week. This is Matt here. Joining me today is John Arminio, who I know from the uh, the Trekkie sphere of things. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Matt. How, how are you? Pretty good. Uh, of course, uh, you're a podcaster in your own right. You, you just said... Uh, I've got popcorn and zebra, and I know I just mixed everything up. So uh, if you give everyone a, a heads up on where they can uh, hear you on the regs. Uh, yeah, I co-host a podcast called Popcorn Eschaton with Scott Thoreau. Uh, he is also the co-host of the podcast Zebras in America. So you can find that in the Zebras in America feed. Uh, that's where we take a look at movies through a spiritual and or leftist lens because um i think especially on the internet when you hear spiritual and or leftist it's kind of like an incendiary take but we try and take take that um those topics seriously and with a, a a level head yeah i mean with this podcast when i started my idea was to have more like spiritualist mystics and, and things but just i don't know as i've been doing it it just makes more sense to give it sort of the uh the well the, basically the star trek approach right <laughs> looking at them that way and bringing in a bit of that i'm always up for it but uh just looking at them more analytically seems to work a lot of the time uh what what's your bag with the twilight zone um yeah i've been watching twilight zone um it seems like you know i think for a lot of people of uh my generation that is like uh millennials i'll seemingly all my life, uh, just, you know, growing up watching them on reruns or the sci-fi channel uh, marathons. So catching them here and there. I think my most recent um, love affair with the show occurred, I guess, during the pandemic um, when when WandaVision occurred or, or premiered, I was a little soft on it because i was like aren't aren't these themes just stuff that the twilight zone already addressed like 50 years ago like it's fine but you know um and so um i i remember complaining on social media that like a week ago i could watch twilight zone on, on netflix but now like the rights change and it's not available on netflix anymore so my friend um uh, Jay Blake Vachera took it upon himself to send me the complete Blu-ray set. Um, and so through his kindness, I started watching um, watching it from the beginning, uh, both by myself and alongside my girlfriend. So that was so that was great. So I've been kind of slowly working my way up through the series. 
for the first time slash since then, um, or or again, um, si- since that happened. So, yeah, I said before getting the Blu-ray, that's where I I basically started this podcast because it was like, oh, I need to watch all of these. So yeah, like, what's a better way to do that than uh commit yourself to to doing one every week, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so watching them um like along with my girlfriend has been a lot of fun too because even if we've seen them before some of it sometimes it's like oh i haven't seen this since i was six years old uh and and so it's pretty great rediscovering them as as an adult yeah and and i've said before i i feel like when you do a podcast on something it's actually it's good to be interested and maybe not a complete expert so with mm-hmm. these i'm you know i'm often finding ones i have not seen at all or not much um yeah today's episode kicked the can seen it a few times uh more recently i've seen seen the movie version so uh of course this one was recreated for twilight zone the movie and directed yeah. by steven spielberg in that case so uh, uh you know that's kind of a an interesting one to to compare with but we, we will be focusing mostly on the the old one today featuring a bunch of old ones uh yeah. I'll take a moment and and run through a bit of trivia for this episode right after I stretch my screen. There we go. Original air date was February 9th, 1962. The teleplay is by George Clayton Johnson, a Twilight Zone regular who trades in whimsy. Lamont Johnson directed. He's been here before directing other Twilight Zones, but today we'll note that he was chipper enough to direct an episode of Felicity when he was in his 80s just when i popped on his page yesterday for week i was like oh that, that's kind of wild because that feels like a reasonably modern show <laughs> ernest truex played charles whitley i'm going to start with a direct quote from wiki on this one because it's weirdly entertaining <clears throat> he started acting at age five and toured through missouri at age nine as the child wonder in scenes from shakespeare i just thought that was a bizarre um kind of a uh, claim to fame there while he had some stage and screen acting credits he is best known for tv guest spots like this one playing old men we've previously seen him in the twilight zone in the episode what you need charles son in the episode was played by barry truex which was Ernest's son so that's kind of fun ben conroy was played by russell collins who is quite prolific both on broadway and in film as for the latter bad day at black rock the Enemy Below and Failsafe are the credits that stick out to me. John Marley played that true Cox, Mr. Cox. He was not 43 when he featured in this, but more like 54. Yet his other claims to fame would actually come later in John Cassivanti's Faces in the blockbuster movie Love Story, which would earn him an Academy Award and a Globe and, Globe and Gold, Golden Globe uh, <laughs> nomination. Although, so I don't think he won those. Music is Bernard Herman, but repurposed from Walking Distance. Uh, this is how you save a dime when you're making season three of Evil. <laughs> okay, uh, John, I'm going to share the screen and, and hook you up with the prologue here. Um, so you can do it any way you want. Do your Serling, do your Cookie Monster if you want. It's, uh, it's up to you. Sure, I'll, I'll forego cook, Cookie Monster this one time. Um Sunnyvale Rest, a home for the aged, a dying place, and a common children's game called Kick the Can that will shortly become a refuge for a man who knows he will die in this world if he doesn't escape into 
the Twilight Zone. All right. I, I, can, I can give that a quick run. So do you feel rest? A hope for the aged. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a song dying of... place. <laughs> oh yeah, that that's that's the metal cookie monster. Yeah, yeah, that's like a that's definitely that's the name of a a death metal album at least for sure. Oh yeah, uh, my favorite musical cookie monsters, of course, are when it's not harsh music. Uh, yeah. you, like um, John Lennon just like saying cookie and like one of the ballads on his first solo album. That's great. I think I think the show just premiered around that time. And uh, of course, Stevie Wonder just doing a Cookie Monster voice for an entire verse of Living in the City. I love that, too. So uh, anyway, those are my favorite uh, musical Cookie Monster moments. Uh, moving on to this episode, uh, there was a few lines I liked um, and a few things that I thought was funny. The funniest, uh, I, I'm currently 44. So when that guy, when Mr. Cox said he was 43, I think I like openly laughed a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did the the at least the old people in this episode are actually old. Like Ernest Chirac, I think is seventy three, and Russell Collins is in his mid sixties. Though he he looks older than Ernest Chirac, honestly. But but at least there, there's no um like fifty uh, three year olds in the <laughs> in the rest home. Like there's no Wilford Brimley in cocoons in in Sunnyvale Rest. Where did I just see him? Oh, I don't know where I just saw Wilfred Brimley. I was my in-laws were watching something with Tom Cruise. My guess was the firm last night, but I was like, hey, there's Wilford, who was who was yeah. not that old when he was in the thing, which is kind of wild. <laughs> yeah. He was he already looked ancient. He was like 43. Yeah, we do talk he, of, he was he was born with a bushy white mustache. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like it is a lot of times we do get into like the age thing on the twilight zone like do people actually just look older in 62 are they are they casting weird or we're like that guy's ancient we look at him he's only 50 years old so th this one does seem mostly age appropriate like you said it, except for that one dude skewing much younger which seems mm -hmm. bizarre so <laughs> you know I, I also think there are actors who lean into um what they get cast as because uh, I get, I recently rewatched John Sales's Lone Star, and the actor who plays Joe Morton's father is like a year younger than Joe Morton in in that movie, and I just think because Joe Longer just looks, Joe Morton just looks like a fit younger guy, and the guy who's playing his dad is kind of scruffy and older looking. That that's just how those actors are cast and. And so I think, especially when it comes to actors, you know, um, or in keeping with the theme of this episode, like you're only as old as you think you are. Um, so I, 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 but I do find that phenomenon pretty interesting. I mean, you know, as a, as a guy, I guess, uh, rolling through middle age at this point, mm -hmm. I mean, there's certain things that I, that I did when I was younger that I probably really don't do now. Yeah. Um, what was it coming up? The, the idea of just running, like, oh, while well, watching this, I was thinking, well, when's the last time I run, ran? And I'm thinking, well, I probably run once a week, but that's running for a train. So <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that counts or not. Uh, yeah. When is the last time you just ran for fun? You know, just the sheer exuberance of being alive. You just had to sprint from point A to point B. 
because you had that much energy. Um, now I do take long, pointless walks to get sure. to these trains. Yeah. Um, today I'm going to take a train to no one stop away from my from my workplace and just walk it. That's why I listen to podcasts. Um, I, I pretty much always listen to these things walking around outside. So, but that's that's walking, listening to a podcast. I guess it's not too use, useful thing to do. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, sorry, for, keep referencing other movies, but um, last year's uh, one of the movies that was nominated for best foreign film or, or um, best film and in, in, best international feature is what it's called now, I guess. Uh, the Quiet Girl from Ireland. Um, part of that movie is this running bit. Uh, no, not like a comedic bit, but sort of a continuing motif where the titular quiet girl, um, the this man who is raising her, like every morning he says, all right, it yesterday it took you so-and-so amount of time to race from the mailbox to that tree and back. Uh, I'll time you every morning. And that sort of like becomes their morning ritual. And the way the movie just communicates ha how it feels like to be six years old or so and just running for the sheer joy of it, I think, is pretty remarkable. So, um, yeah, I, I can recommend that movie enough if you want a, a film, just a, like a quiet movie about the joy of childhood and how um, a, a change in environment from one of abuse to one of of comfort and care um but i can't recommend the quiet girl enough all right yeah i'm just my my snarkiness is like oh, is that a sequel to the quiet man i don't know no oh sorry no. <laughs> i'm sure it's not i'm sure it's I'm, not I'm so. stepping on your your jokes with my sentiments oh no yeah 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 no, no too much snark some days i don't know <laughs> yeah. uh i i guess i'll just continue with the snark then i i did sure I also just loved the line that the uh, the kids can't resist the grass for for 1962. Like, yeah, it's so <laughs> close. Different to, context. Yeah, it's so close to just being a hippie thing. Um, although I, I've never liked the grass that much. Probably I think I have a slight allergy to it. The smell of freshly cut grass. Don't like it. Didn't like when I was a kid either. So, <laughs> and, uh, actually, yeah, that's what kept me away from it uh, most of my life. I find the smell gross. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you know, I'm walking around between rice fields and, and and farms and stuff and I get some pretty gnarly odors here and there, but uh mm -hmm. yeah, what 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 can you do? Um another thing I I guess maybe the Simpsons kind of reference this sort of thing when he uh when he goes to meet his son in the car at the beginning, his real life and uh television episode son. I was like, "Man, this is like a serious Grandpa yeah. Simpson moment." <laughs> So <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the pathetic old man um, is definitely, um, you know, a source of compassion and pity and or like hilarity. Um, I, you, you sort of have to be a show like The Simpsons to be able to pull off like laughing at lonely old people dying in a rest home. <laughs> yeah. It's a and, hard and thing the, to pull off. In the case of that, if I was giggling at that scene, it was because i've seen the simpsons it's yeah, not because yeah. of this particular scene um that's where i was like oh they reused the walking distance music which has sort of sort of the opposite where um 
Marty travels back in time and his father basically says you're from the future and we you yeah. eject yourself from the past. Um this had a, a little bit of that kind of strain, although it's it's more just like, you know, uh real life depressing stuff, right? You know, yeah. the, the son just uh you, I mean, you know, I get that like my parents are coming to visit Japan again soon. I'm sitting here, oh, but you know, Hannah, uh, my daughter, she's got Kendo this one morning. I'm like, I, you know, I feel bad about that, but it's like, Hey, yeah, she's, she's 14. And that's just how, you know, they keep people busy, you know, there's never a good time. So you might as well just do it. Yeah. Um, it is interesting. The, the themes of, of this episode are definitely themes that the twilight zone has visited before. But I, I have heard Rod Sterling in interviews say that his main preoccupation or even obsession is trying to recapture the feeling of like unadulterated joy of childhood. And the the lure of nostalgia is something that he is personally obsessed with. And that is something he obsesses over in his own writing. And he, so he describes that as like a weakness of his because he's so preoccupied by it and so it's interesting to me that this is written by somebody else um and so maybe it being george clean johnson's first script for the twilight zone that might have been what caused sterling to be like yes let's let's produce th this one this is exactly what i'm looking for well he is uh you know he ends up being one of the the regulars uh yeah uh, other writers and you do start to especially when you do a podcast and do these every week you do start to kind of uh smell the flavor of everyone mm -hmm. you know because with rod sterling you're gonna get like twilight zone standard you know um with richard matheson you're you tend to get some kind of kind of kind of high concept a little more head trippy stuff with him um and oh god uh, the, the other guy is slipping my mind but he's got uh, clayton johnson's basically like our, our whimsy man i feel like mm -hmm. which is a perfect fit for kick the can uh there's some other episodes where maybe his touch is a little too light and i'd like something a little bit heavier for the idea but this one you know deserve deserves a light touch basically um and that that i think is um the real strength of the of the twilight zone as an anthology show um, and not just compared to other anthology shows of the time, you know, like the main comparison is, is obviously the editor limits, but other versions of the Twilight Zone since then, or just other horror series, there is room for whimsy and and real sentiment and hope and explorations of joy and, and family, um, along with, you know, things like I, the, Be the Beholder, that, that are like tr true pieces of horror. And that's, I think, part of why The Twilight Zone has lasted so long, because there is such a, a breadth of possibility in these stories, even if they have to begin and end in 25 minutes or so, they seem to have such a range of, of topics and emotions. Yeah, like like we were saying at the beginning, top of the show, like, you know, just seems so relevant. So sometimes mm -hmm. it's funny when I get, especially on Facebook, I'll sometimes get, you know, like the boomer 
uh, comment, like where someone seems to have like put in a Google search and posted as a Facebook comment. I'm like, oh yeah, of course there's some boomer stuff here because this actually is that old. This is, you know, a yep. show that they grew up with. So the fact that it's resonated for 60 years is is kind of wild because it actually is quite a, an, an old thing uh, as are the people in this episode. Um, doing this real time-ish, I, I guess the one thing with this episode that I'm a little bit like, was that a good idea? Was putting it so close to Once Upon a Time, which is uh, the bus, you know, the old Buster Keaton episode. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We just have all these uh these old dude episodes, uh, kind of around, you know, maybe too close. Um, I, I do notice sometimes they put ones, but that's not production order. That that would have been uh the network, I, I guess, just putting them on scheduling. So who knows who made that decision anyway? Yeah, you'll you'll see that in in like Star Trek as well. It's like, why did you put two Quark episodes in a month? That's very weird. Um, so yeah, that is definitely not the, uh, on, on the, the, it was definitely not something to put on the shoulders of the the production, but more, more than network, I would say. Yeah. You're going all the way to the beginning. It's like, is the man trap really the episode you want to lead with? Yeah. <laughs> very not, not, the greatest choice there yeah a great episode and maybe if especially in the 60s if you're trying to give somebody just the flavor of what star trek is that is like a pretty good episode to just introduce somebody to it but to premiere the show to america weird yeah. <laughs> kind of like what, what is this um have you see I, I have you seen the movie version of this i have yeah um you know, I avoided the movie for a long time, I think, because of the whole helicopter crash thing. That was pretty much the the, the first thing I heard about the movie. Um, but I did watch it in preparation for this uh, podcast. I actually haven't watched it for about a year and a half. And I mm-hmm. watched this, you know, last night or two nights ago or whatever. And I I would say that this episode's better. But yep. um, one Scatman Crothers, uh, always fun. <laughs> Gotta get your Scatman. And two, when I mentally even go back to picture this episode, I'm still like in my head seeing the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I, 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 maybe it's just shot better because it's a big budget, you know, Hollywood thing done by Spielberg, right? So, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I like, I'm Spielberg's boy. Right. I love me some Spielberg uh, from Duel to the Fablemans. I, I love almost everything that, that he's done. But I I do see the seams in the movie version. Like t- to me, it seems more set bound than, than the TV version. Maybe that's because it is shot with more expensive cameras and in color. But it just seems like, oh, this is a this is a movie set. It doesn't look anything like an actual place. And I think the sentimentality in that short in the movie is Spielberg sort of reverting to his worst instincts. Like he seems like he's leaning on the cloying nature of the story, whereas there is some like doom and tragedy in uh, the the TV version, you know, because Ben, like he's begging to be taken along 
with the kids at the end, it, it's so sad and tragic that because he didn't have this belief earlier, he's he's going to die sooner than all of his friends. And it seems like the movie version wasn't able to to balance out the sentiment with the tragedy like the TV version was. Yeah, I would say the MVP in this was Russell Collins because mm-hmm. In the movie, it's like the one guy doesn't go with him, right? Same thing, but it's just, oh, it's kind of play for, that's just what happened. Whereas yeah, this he one, loses an afternoon. Yeah, where Ben Conroy here definitely has more more gravitas, I think, in this role and balances the role. So it's not just um, Charles Whitley, you know, frolicking with, with his can. Uh, yeah. It, it's counterbalance. And yeah, in the movie, the the, the Spielberg machine is is doing a little bit too much and it's got the you know um i do like the autumnal glow of the movie version again it looks really good but a little too much syrup i would i would agree with that for sure um the other thing that totally just ruined that one for me and i think it's my podcast i think it's my my co-host on that um if you watch that anytime in proximity to the key and peel sketch with the 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 quote unquote magical Negro. That's what they call it in, in the sketch. So yeah, <laughs> you yeah. see that. And then you see someone like kick the can. You're like, no, 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 no. Uh, of course we, we to- totally lose that here. We just get a guy who is becoming obsessed with, with a beat up can. So I, I don't yeah. know. I, I never wanted, I never liked kicking the can. I wanted to play with my transformers, but it was the eighties. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was always a pretty solitary kid period so the idea of getting together with a bunch of other kids for an organized game was sort of against my nature but i do think it's interesting that part of the magic in the episode is that you know he charlie has to join with his friends like he says pretty emphatically and with a lot of desperation like i can't play kick the can alone like there has to be this group effort of rejoining their youth that um that the magical choir she can't do it by himself i mean i'm thinking we, we haven't had in the past few years because of uh covid and changes in management but my my company would have you know the the picnics where mm-hmm. everyone like go go play soccer for a bit you know that that sort of thing or or really like weird and and no, no, no should I say dumb? I don't know. Anyway, just like kind of like these pointless little games that's supposed to bring everyone together. And this is people from their twenties to their fifties, you know. So, um, I, I guess the point of that is kind of the same idea here. Like, oh, we're, let's we're out of the office. Let's let's be youthful and and dumb. It's not like a team building skill. It's not like a low ropes course that you'd have in the States or something. Yeah. It's like an, just an actual dumb game that we're, that we have to play. Um, the, the, the worst iteration of this is when we, they, they flew us to Okinawa, which is great. We're on one of the nicest beaches in the world. And you just want to go out and they're like, no, we're going to spend two hours playing dumb games. It's like, no. <laughs> so is it, is it a Japanese company that, that you work for? That's right. Yeah. Okay. So, so is is that has does that have to do with more like Japanese corporate culture? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Um, just the idea that, I mean, you know, a Japanese business party. It's like basically they'll excuse most 
weird drunken behavior and they're like, oh, they're just drunk and they're supposed to sit there getting ripped the whole time, you know? So, okay. um, <laughs> I mean, there are, there are lines and I, I've seen mm-hmm. the lines hit dramatically once or twice, which is, you know, eh, it's fun to watch when it's not you and you're not in charge. So I guess, <laughs> but yeah, those are like, those. I guess those are the adult sort of games that that people would play but it, it is i guess the idea is to get back in that like younger frame of mind that sort of thing i teach kids uh sometimes small kids not so many this year but yeah you know you got 20 minutes to kill and sometimes you just have to invent your own dumb game then and there and get a bunch of six-year-olds to play it so i guess that keeps you a little bit young i don't know yeah and you know it, it is interesting that now or in the last couple decades the there has been this push in the the science of elder care to introduce uh the elderly who are at rest homes to things like dance and music and also games to to keep their mind and body younger to keep them mentally engaged and that has been showed to slow cognitive decline so you know this isn't just gobbledygook you know, like this isn't just pure sentimentality that George Clayton Johnson was talking about. This is something that helps people stay, literally stay alive longer. Which I, I guess that's where Mr. Cox here is a little bit too much of the uh, the old school retirement yeah. home, yeah. home thing where he's just like, no, you just need to fester and, and eventually die because <laughs> you're yeah, old. I, I would. It. Yeah, I would not want to be in a care facility in the 1960s. No way, no how. And that snore chamber, my God, when they show him sleeping at night and it's, you know, five old men snoring, that's that's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, even um, another just, just bit where um, Russell Collins just shows his, his worth. Like, you know, Mr. Cox says, I'm going to have to, put him in a special ward for observation. I'm going to have to isolate him. And then Russell Collins says, that'll kill him uh, about, about Charlie. And, and in, in that moment we see, even if Ben is in opposition to Charlie the whole time, he still, you know, loves his friend and wants to see him doing okay, because I think they do sort of need each other. And, uh, you know, it's, Ben is probably not too long for this world after the episode now that he's going to be literally by himself in that home. <laughs> well, they might get some some new people in. But yeah, he won't have yeah, the maybe. people he's known since he was like in elementary school, which I guess yeah. is, is part of the point. You know, the train left without him and, and it's his yeah. fault. So, I mean, what we'll talk about in the questions, but I'm like, I, it's not. I mean, he's not having the worst fate. He's having the fate that he was expecting to have and mm-hmm. simply didn't take this opportunity where maybe, I mean, it's, it's an impossible opportunity, right? You you can't accept that's a real thing that's that can happen. Then he watches it happen. So it's not like he's stupid. It's not even like he's like overly curmudgeonly. You know, he's just, he's too realistic. And in the twilight zone, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the denial of the supernatural usually causes some sort of comeuppance in in a lot of shows, but especially the Twilight Zone. But when it comes to like deserved comeuppance, I think Ben is pretty low in the list in terms of Twilight Zone characters. Yeah, uh, my my other 
snarky note here is just that you you got to play the game subdue the nurse before you get to play kick the can at, at yeah. Sunnydale. So I, I guess they distract her in the end. But yeah, yeah, I just I thought that was mildly entertaining. But I did wonder if they were just going to bop her on the head or something for a second. <laughs> yeah, they distracted with firecrackers. Where did these old people get firecrackers? Well, um, Mr. Cox does explain that another uh, patron, not a patron, another guy that lived there was, you know, he snapped because he went out in the in the in the parking lot and started, you know, trying to light a firecracker and he, he could have hurt uh, himself. Okay. okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> although hey, I, I remember playing in a band and not we weren't like a particularly crazy band, you know, uh when I was in my twenties and, and our drummer was the most straight laced one. And one day we're in the apartment, I think we just finished recording, and just kind of strolls out into the parking lot and starts lighting roman candles you know this is in march so hey he was doing the same thing and he was like you yeah. know 28 years old or something <laughs> it's not like it's not just an old person thing uh, yeah. explosions <laughs> are cool uh b- before i get to the questions i was just sometimes uh when i'm driving certain roads I'll, I'll put on like the one of the 10 comedy albums that's on my old almost non-functional ipod and mm-hmm. I, I was playing george carlin's uh last special uh, he okay. he actually died like two months after recording this, but uh, he he was describing himself like he was seventy at the time. He said, like, yeah, you know, he's an old f bomb now." I try and keep the podcast somewhat clean, but <laughs> but uh, he was just talking about ah, you get superpowers once you get old. You never have to carry anything heavy ever again. <laughs> it's like you can get out of uh all social functions just by saying you're tired like oh, i'll feel a little tired maybe i'll take a nap grandpa it's 7 30 in the morning <laughs> so but just talking about the 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 things you get when you're old of, of course in here they have them and it, it looks relatively weird and horrible and depressing i'm thinking of times i've been in the old folks home uh I'm, I'm sure we went to sing christmas carols at some a few times mm-hmm. um out of, out of my own grandparents, I think only one of them spent notable time in a, in the actual, you know, like care home. So, uh, or or when yeah. I saw them in there, at least. <laughs> yeah, my um, I have one grandparent left. My, my maternal grandfather, he's almost ninety five, I believe, and he's still living at home. So, um, I'm I'm very lucky in that department. Um. So, yeah, Jack Wilson is still going strong. <laughs> now, Japan is, it's a, you know, we, it's an aging population. The government mm-hmm. is, is trying to tell people to go out and, you know, do it more. So, <laughs> I mean, that's actually like government initiatives now. But, yeah, it, especially out here, I'm, I'm in the mountains. So, you'll often see just like very, very old people tending the farm uh construction sites is weird because sometimes i'm rolling past a construction site and it's a bunch of dudes like i've seen dudes in their 80s doing construction so yeah they're i've i've heard just you know anecdotally you know not having lived in japan um I, i i visited there like i guess almost 20 years ago now but um that you know to Japanese people, the idea of putting a bunch of old people in a home is kind of unconscionable that like it, it's your duty as a, a family to to care for your elderly relatives. So is do you find that to be the the, the case truly in, in Japan? 
well, my wife's grandmother, um, during her last years, yeah, the family was basically taking care of her. So in, in the last couple of years, she moved from the super countryside farmhouse uh, to to the house I'm I'm sitting in. Basically, mm-hmm. lived in the room uh, downstairs for a couple of years. So. I, I, there is that. At the same time, there actually is a couple old folks home within almost a literal stone's throw from here, um, okay. which are NPOs. And, and some of them, yeah, I, I I mean, if they didn't have kids or anything, right, and now they're yeah, five yeah. in a wheelchair, I mean, what what do you do? So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think especially with Japan, like you said, it just has such an aging populace as as, as opposed to, to America. Yeah, I mean, they're starting to worry about workforce things. Um, yeah. A lot of convenience stores have been shutting down recently, not because the companies are are crashing or anything, but because they just can't they don't they can't manpower the things enough. Uh, Tokyo is starting to have like the the robot convenience store. So, yeah, yeah, I think that is something that America is going to start seeing in the next decade or so as boomers continue to age um, out of retirement age and into their 80s. We're going to have to start dealing with that um, pretty substantially. And we've got weird anachronisms. Um, I I just got like I just bought like 80 Blu-rays for 80 bucks because until three weeks ago, we had a rental store right by our house. Like my daughter is actually renting DVDs. (laughs) So uh, renting, you know, anime and stuff. So for the first time we're, we're now she finally expressed like an urge for us to get an Amazon Prime account because we don't really stream much because I have so much physical media. Why bother? Mm. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's, it's just funny that in 2023, our rental store closed. But that's in part because, I mean, you can... There's these music stores. Have you heard of a music called Enka? I have uh, not. Okay, okay uh, th- think of the Japanese music in Kill Bill, the super sentimental songs. With, okay, uh, sure. That's, that, those are Enka songs, you know. Okay. Um, as a joke, when I'm teaching kids i mean kids also being teenagers if i'm trying to what's your favorite music and I always throw out inca as one of the options because they start laughing because nobody young likes inca so okay yeah <laughs> you just got a lot of older people who love it there's these cassette tape stores of inca that you can find here and there which is today <laughs> yeah i mean you know there there is a revival of cassettes in the metal community so, so, like, the most underground, bleak, angry black metal will release a cassette-only uh, EP for street cred. So it is funny that in America, it's a sign of, like, underground credibility. But in Japan, it's a sign of, like, uh, an aging population and uh, d- attachment to 20th century ways of doing things. Well, yeah, those stores just never, never closed. I mean, yeah, we... yeah. Uh, I, I've been seeing more and more emails around the office. I don't, I don't, you know, I, 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 my Japanese is not good, so I'm not sending messages, but we'll, st- we'll still get a fax occasionally. Uh, the fax machine is part of the copier, so it's not a dedicated yeah. fax machine, but it, the faxes still come in. So that's pretty wild, I guess. <laughs> they, in, they, in a country that has a reputation for the most forward thinking technologically, there's, more antiquated technology than than in the west interesting well the big difference is they're very slow to change anything Mm -hmm. so um they the tech may be there the company's doing it but it's not necessarily you know making it down to the people who have been doing it this way for forever long yeah 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 um that that 
you know, things slowly change, but there's not like a big like, okay, we're going to restructure the whole thing right here, right now. That that doesn't mm-hmm. tend to happen too much. Yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, maybe in America, part of that is the planned obsolescence of technology with, you know, companies like Apple, It that encourages companies to get new technology just because older technology is built to break. Well, all technology is built to break, but that's why we're sort of forced to move forward because everything is is built to last a year. Yeah, I'm slowly getting angry at Apple as my stuff is getting glitchier with each new device. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, yeah, yeah, it, it, to the point where things that, like, I, I like to make music and I have to, like, I gave my daughter my old iPad, but I have to borrow it back now because the new one can't handle the interface to make music for some reason, even though it's the newer one. I'm like, they broke it. They broke the OS and, yeah, it's like, ah, so... I'm slowly getting angrier at Apple. Five years ago, and yeah, mobile stuff, Apple, great, perfect. And uh, yeah. starting to get a little like, why don't I just have an Android at this point if it's not going to work anyway? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's some old person complaints. Yeah, complaining about your technology getting crappier. Although I will say, I told you about the iPod that's about 13 years old. That's mostly broken, but hey, it works in my car. And I'm talking to you right now on a computer I bought in 2010. So, you know, yeah. some, some things can last a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's allowed. Yeah, the, the computer, you know, I, I work at a comic book store. Hey, if you're ever in central Pennsylvania, Comics Connection. Um, but yeah, the, the computer that we used for the whole time I've been there has just been replaced because we updated our our comic book buying software and that's like the only reason we upgraded computers but now i'm i'm sort of afraid that these new computers are exactly going to last like 18 months before we have to get a a different one yeah um i i this was five years ago so maybe it's finally changed but another really fun anachronistic tech in japan is um I, i i taught a pharmacist and she was saying they still legally had to keep all their records on those little there's little floppy disks from the nineties, not, oh, not, wow. not the big ones, but the, the, the pl- ones of the plastic shells. So yeah. at least five years ago, they were still using those for their, their records, which is that's also crazy. mildly. Yeah. That's mildly insane as well. So <laughs> let's get to some questions on this episode. Sure. Uh, the first question being who in this episode uh, entered the twilight zone or, or is of the twilight zone or, or so forth um yeah definitely charlie i think he sort of um imagines his way in into a magical realm he's able to use a children's game to find renewed youth for him and his friends i was thinking i mean he's shown as a much enough of a human character that we don't just pin him as being the twilight zone but in the end he's the instigator of the weird events that happen yeah like he was basically in control he said i'm going to make this happen and then he makes it happen so i see him as being because you get someone like mr pip who's you know he's like he's of the twilight zone and he's like the devil or whatever right whereas this guy comes across as a normal old dude but he actually is instigating the the weird magical end of the twilight zone here so yeah we have the other old folks turned young so they they experience the Twilight Zone in like a good way, but they're not characters. They're just, I mean, they don't even have lines for the most part, right? Or they yeah. have one or two whatever lines. 
Whereas Ben, as we said, he's uh, gets the the gnarly side of the Twilight Zone. Not not one where he's gonna die right now, but or or even be in horrible pain. But he'll definitely regret the choices he made. Yeah, he's gonna die alone. That's pretty grim. Yeah, yeah. So, and I, uh, I think it is just an interesting framing of this version of the Twilight Zone because even Rod Serling's opening and closing narrations sort of frames the Twilight Zone as something worth seeking, whereas in most of the other narrations, the Twilight Zone is a place of sort of like forbidden imaginings or or existential or dread. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, again, just to requote, it's if he doesn't escape into the Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I guess Ben Conroy is our more typical front, uh, you know, lead for a Twilight Zone episode where he's a very, uh, very important supporting role. I, I guess he's basically the co-lead when you get right down to it. He he has a little less screen time than Charles, but uh, about the same, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so does Ben deserve to die alone? We've already alluded to this a little bit, but let me pose the question. Does, does Ben deserve his trip into the twilight zone? No, he, he definitely doesn't deserve it. Um, but when, you know, you're caught in the wake of the twilight zone, sometimes terrible things happen to you. He gets his, you know, his only support network ripped from him. And, you know, what is it? he says? Um, yeah, I am old Charles and so are you. That's a fact. Your bones are old and they'll break if you try to run with them. Your heart is old and your lungs are old. You're used up, worn out by a lifetime. Like some some great writing there. But he's trying to save his friend from breaking his bones and from heartbreak. So, yeah, I don't think he deserves his fate. Not not at all. Yeah, but it's 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 kind of the Shakespearean fatal flaw, tragic flaw. Yeah, he's he's yeah. too real. He's too much of a realist. I mean, in most cases, being a realist is probably smart, but when there actually is magic, it becomes an issue. Uh, I, I guess see the Tempest, since I already brought up Shakespeare, or a Midsummer's Night Dream, where it has kind of, especially a Midsummer's Night Dream, has kind of this style of of whimsy magic. I guess is mm-hmm. is how how we'll throw it out. Um, how about the other old people that actually do join Charles Whitley? Are they getting too much of a lottery win? I mean, they they just decided to go play with them, which is, I guess that's cool, but. Yeah, yeah. They, they really look into regaining their childhood uh, for sure. It is an interesting thing that the movie version sort of poses is that, all right, well, what now? Like all, all your, you have no home. You're, you can't go to school all of a sudden. Like there's no one to like do your grocery shopping for. You can't get a job as an eight year old. So like, where do you go? Um, But I think the episode isn't really concerned with those real world kinds of consequences. They become the little rascals, I guess. Yeah, I guess they're just gonna <laughs> run around. They're just gonna run around in the Twilight Zone playing kick the can forever. <laughs> so, so yeah, the the other residents, um, they definitely benefit from being led by the nose by by the main character. 
Actually, I'm I'm wondering if I'm a bit of a Ben Conroy now because I'm I'm thinking teaching. I, I mostly teach kids age from like age three all the way to about eighteen, and mm-hmm. especially when they're in junior high, high school. What did you do this weekend? Oh, I played with my friends. I'm like, oh, you're you're older than thirteen now. You probably don't. You know, I hung out with my friends. I played video games with my friends. I played yeah. soccer with my friends. But I mean, I I'm teaching English, and yes, once you're past age 13 you're not going to really say you played with your friends but now i'm like oh well maybe you should play with your friends because that's what they're doing in this episode to regain their youth uh even yeah. if they have no home to go to now and no one to do their grocery shopping <laughs> uh i got the tripometer zero is not that trippy at all five is extremely trippy uh where would you like to place this on the tripometer um i yeah it's not really trippy maybe like a two because uh, there is some magic and and whimsy in there, but it's not gonna blow your mind or or, or anything like that. Yeah, in my mind, I was saying there eh, two two point five. I think I'm gonna go for two point five uh, because what happens is subtle, right? It's just mm-hmm. I think there's uh, gold. I might be conflating with the key and peel spe- sketch again, but I, I seem to remember like some golden pixie dust and stuff in the in the Spielberg one of, you know, some, some visual magic, whereas this is just like hard cut. There's kids playing kick the can now. And yeah, I like that. I like that. We see the old people go outside. They're about to start playing. And the next time we cut to them, it's a bunch of kids. Uh, We don't, we don't see the magic happen. And yeah, it's just through audio is, is when the the change happens, which I think is a nice touch. Yes. Yes. That that's a very good point, but I do like that subtle thing. I think if a subtle thing is done well, it's, Mm-hmm. pretty trippy so maybe that's where my my extra half point comes from but it is pretty middle of the road as far you know it's got magic it's, so it's definitely not one of the episodes you're like is there anything trippy here at all or are people just making horrible decisions uh, <laughs> there there is yeah. clearly some magic in this one but um i mean for me i don't know i feel in most ways it is kind of a middle of the road episode i i this is one where I, it's kind of like you're hot or cold on it i think some people I mean- I, i've love this episode and 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 i like this episode mm. I, I i like this episode quite a bit um because i i am a huge fan of george clayton johnson's th- dialogue in this episode and I, I feel it just has a lot of heart and but it isn't too cloying i think be, because of the the darker nature of, of ben's fate it it retains its power in, in my opinion yeah and then, then that happens like I loved Once Upon a Time because I'm a giant Buster Keaton fan. So just, <laughs> I, I, you know, I had to, after I did the episode, basically when I was out in the social medias and stuff, I was like, people, is this even, is this actually a good episode or am I just like blinded by the fact I really like this lead guy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting. Um, I, I just watched a little bit uh, about this actor named Kurt Bois who who was a um a German actor, but he he did some movies with Buster Keaton, like the the very bad talkies that Buster Keaton did like what? later in no his career. Beer? <laughs> that Buster Keaton did and just how how sort of unfortunate it was that he was never able to translate his silent movie brilliance and success into the the the, the talkie era. Like his career just just dropped dead and sort of that that's been sort of on my mind recently um so i'm I'm sure i'd be with you as as far as once upon a time goes if i had 
watch this episode and th- watch that episode instead. Yeah, and that one just tripped me out because I hadn't watched those talkies and I hadn't seen those other TV appearances in the 50s. So that actually was the first time I'd heard him talk. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it was a little weird. Um, I guess we will pull in the 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 can. We'll we'll put the can on the shelf for now and then grow old as this episode is going to grow old and die. Sure. Wow, that was that was too. There's some existential dread. Um, <laughs> uh, one more time, can you give people like the uh, maybe a, a easy web address to to find your internet presence or anything oh, you want? Yeah, sure. To head for? Um, yeah, uh, I am at Quasar Sniffer on Twitter and Instagram, and again, my uh, the podcast I co-host is popcorn eschaton on the zebras in america feed with the brilliant scott thorough and uh i i work at uh comics connection in mechanicsville pennsylvania so you can find me in a variety of ways if you're if you feel the need you can find me in the mountains of central japan <laughs> a little harder to find i guess for a lot of the listeners here um but uh you can find time enough pod on twitter on facebook and our we are under the Patreon umbrella of Podcastio Podcastius, where we do other podcasts. We talk about good films. We talk about really bad films on the Films and Filth podcast, the Citizen Kane of podcasting. I talk up Disney films on Occult Disney, looking at the uh, the weird, interesting, and magical hidden things behind the mouse. And there's some video game podcasts for, for the gamer and you, Luke Loves Pokemon, in which Luke Loves Pokemon the game game show where gamers game each other about the games and Hyrule Field Report, which is a dive into the Zelda games, especially the new one. Okay. Let's see if I, I hmm. all I could play right now is kick the bottle and there's water in it and I probably hurt my foot. So <laughs> maybe I'm going to drink this water for now. Okay. Safe, safe bet. Yeah. Walking down the sidewalk with Dickie chewing, talking, holding a beer. Walking in the dark back of Clearview, Jerry's candy store is always near. Sun went down some hours ago while the park cars are crowding the street. Backing up on Utopia Park where we're looking for our friends to meet. There's Ricky in robes and there's Larry tossing cigarettes to the ground By the cars of the crowd in the corner passing that one lit joint around Gloria Pizza and Scotty's are closed now, the river's turned off its light Jack in the box, McDonald's and Weston's the only ones left now to bite. Storefronts are closed, our lives are still open. Nowhere to reach but make love asleep. Regardless of choice, it becomes the next day. We all press reset and then we repeat. What are we gonna do later? Buy cheap wine at the liquor store. Two doors down from the closed Jewish deli We can't afford to buy much more Gallows Port Bottle has joined us Lips dripping the sweet red flow 
Ever looking for Dan Skin Joyce? Is she here or where did she go? Let's go down to 209 Schoolyard Night or day, it's always been there Benches by the cement chessboards Always filled of kids with long hair Gloria Pizza and Scotty's closed Now the river turned off its light Jack in the Box, McDonald's and Western's The only one now to the fight the night out of street lamps, neon gives off a comforting glow of sorts. Sweeps over chipped wooden green benches, lining both of the basketball courts. Not enough girls now are here, though, at least not the ones we know well. So let's check out the bay and the hillside since there's no other place we can go. Many folks on blankets and circles, Strognack Bridge, Bay in the Moon. There's Joyce and Joanne and there's Vicky, Annie Marie and Amy's there too. Storefronts are closed, all houses to open, nowhere to reach but make love or sleep. Regardless of choice, if it comes the next day, we all press reset and then we repeat. Mark singing a song in the wind now, his voice swirls like clouds and like smoke. But it's getting way past 4 a.m. now, so we all have to share one last hope. I haven't seen Joyce now for decades Same with Ricky and the other mates Larry and Bobby and Dickie and Mark Are now buried in all different states But I still see their smiling faces Those alive and those who passed on In the dome light of my red dot sun As the night gives its way to the dawn Gloria Pizza and Scotty's are closed Now the river's turned off its light Jack in the box